0: You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. Page 1361 and 62. Um, And it's Mary's praise. And Mary said, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, because he has looked with favour on the humble condition of his servant, Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly, and he has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the wretch away empty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: All right, everybody. Hey, I apologize in advance, but I just couldn't help but think in that whole memory verse game we just played, we had a couple of like a, a mashup of a couple of Christmas themes. We had, we had a kind of a, an enmeshing of the magi and the virgin birth because in our case, we took three wise men and made them mummies. You, got... yeah. you get it on the way home. Hey, I'm wondering, kids, I'm going to be asking you a bunch of questions in this message, right? So just, I need you to be on, on form. Tell me a time, kids or, or anyone else, tell me a time when you received such good news that you just couldn't help but jump up in the air, dance around, or probably say, Yes! Yes! Yeah. Yes. So you want to serve on Student Representative Council next year. You wrote an application, you went through the interviews, and then you heard that you're through to the next stage. And there was a big yes. No, that was a big... Okay. <laughs> All right. Yep, give me some more examples. Sports captain. Alright, something to celebrate there. hmm the last day of school. Last day of school. No! The ultimate best day of the year. David is right with you on that one. hmm You correctly what now? Curriculum oh, a curric- a curriculum day. Uh, I'm I'm very old, didn't you hear? I- curriculum day. Yes, we're celebrating. Any other ideas? Yes, ma'am. When my husband said he'd cook dinner. Your husband said he had cooked dinner <laughs> that one time. <laughs> yeah. All the time. That was a great day. Okay, last last ideas. Yes, sir. Um, when I got to have family fun day. Family fun day at your school. Hmm. Yes, Benji. What award did you get? Star of the week. Out of all the stars, you were the best star. That's amazing. I tell you, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you an idea. Okay, this is what happened to me. You remember when Jimmy and Sarah used to be part of our church? Jimmy and Sarah. Um, when I heard that Sarah didn't have cancer anymore. Remember, we were praying, we found out she had cancer, it was terrible, we saw her lose all her hair, we were praying for her over and over and over again, sometimes feeling optimistic, sometimes feeling the worst, might be around the corner, and then she actually got up here and shared with the church, but she um, visited me in my office one day and told me that she had been cleared and I just, I just oh, the only thing I could do was just get up and go, yeah! I might have even done a little dance, which I'm not going to do now that you're filming me these days, all right? So, there are times where the news is so good we, we can't help but just jump up and celebrate. And this, I think, is what's going on with Mary. This is the reason she comes up with a song. It's one thing to say that's great, it's another thing to express yourself poetically And you know, this is why we sing happy birthday. This is why we sing Christmas carols. It's expressive of true joy. It's appropriate for a celebratory moment. And that's what's going on here. Mary sings, and I've got this um, beautiful quote. This is the song we're looking at. This is Mary's Magnificat. This is her song. She's just heard, sit down. She's just heard that she is going to, just think about this, right? She's probably about 14 years old. How old are you, India? Turning 12. So just not much older than you. She's just found out she's going to have a baby. She's found out that God is going to give her this baby by a miracle. And she's found out that this baby is going to be the son of God who's going to save the whole world. Her response to this, along with no doubt a bit of trepidation, maybe even some doubt, her response to this was to sing and this is one of the most famous songs in the history of the world more famous than anything in the top 40 or anything that you can stream on Spotify right now one of the most famous songs in the whole world is the magnificat it's called that because it's the first name uh, the first word of the song in latin and it speaks of Mary's joy that God has chosen to bless the world through her. This is what uh, the the scholar N.T. Wright, Tom Wright, this is how he describes it. He says, listen to this, this song, it's one of the most famous songs in Christianity. It's been whispered in monasteries, chanted in cathedrals, recited in small remote churches by evening candlelight and set to music with trumpets and kettle drums by Johann Sebastian Bach. It's the gospel before the gospel, a fierce, bright shout of triumph 30 weeks before Bethlehem, 30 years before Calvary and Easter. It goes with a swing and a clap and a stamp. It's all about God, and it's all about revolution, and it's all because of Jesus. That's Mary's song. That's the Magnificat. Well, we're about to hear it. I'm going to read some of it, all right? And Danita just read some of it, and we've been reading it all through Advent. This is the Magnificat. Let me read the first couple of verses of it to you. Verse 46 and 47, Mary said, or it really should say sung, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices. You hear a lot of, lot of um, references at this time of year to the spirit of Christmas, right? Mainly from people who are trying to sell you stuff. They're trying to get you to buy stuff so that you will have the spirit of Christmas. We heard it a whole lot at the carols down here by the lake last night. And there were various different ways that we were told to get the spirit of Christmas. Um, I saw on the movie screen in my family home this morning, a elf on a movie referring to getting the right present as being the way to get the spirit of Christmas. There's all kinds of ideas. India, you had something in your advent calendar the other day, it was a trumpet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. put on songs to get you in the spirit. Put on songs to get you in the spirit of Christmas. Like A lot of these things are good, gift giving, great, singing carols, amazing, love all that stuff. But if you want to get to the real, original, authentic spirit of Christmas, Mary just gave it to us. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. That's the essence of Christmas. That's the spirit of Christmas, rejoicing in God, my Savior. The magnificat, the magnification of God. Verse 46, just look at it again. My soul, what? Magnifies Magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. This is, if you're new here this morning, you need to know this is our aim in every service that we have at this church. Every service of worship whether it's a special Christmas family fun day or any other week, our purpose is to magnify the Lord. That's our core purpose. Before anything else, before good times with one another and sharing a cup of tea together and singing songs and praying prayers, over and through all of these elements of what we do here, the essence of our purpose is to magnify the Lord. It's about Him. There's a pastor-theologian called Francis Chan, and he talked about um, after church one day at their, at their church, someone came up to him and said, oh, I, I didn't really like the worship today. And his response was, that's okay, we weren't worshipping you. Right? The, the, the purpose of our worship is God himself. That's what we want to get out of this more than anything else. We want to get God. We want more of God, and we want to project, we want to... Um, proclaim God and his goodness. That's what she means. I want to magnify the Lord. So here's, here's the thing though, kids. There's a couple of ways of magnifying things. You guys know this, right? There's a couple of ways, at least a couple of ways you can magnify things. Take a look at these images I've got here. What have I got? Oh, that's why you asked us last night. Yes. All right. Someone I didn't ask last night. Who, who's, who's, who's got this? Just give me one of those. One of them is a telescope, yep. Yep, it's a type of magnifying glass, that's right. Yep, he? Microscope. Microscope, telescope. Both scopes. They both magnify things, but they do it differently, right? A microscope takes something really tinsy-tiny like a germ or a bug, or the print in my Bible. It takes something insy, wincy tiny-weeny, and it it makes it look big so that we can study it, so that we can read it. That's what a a microscope does. But a telescope takes something enormous, like a solar system, and brings it, kind of brings it close so that we can see it clearly. That's how we want to magnify We don't magnify the Lord like with a microscope. We don't take something really tiny and insignificant and try and make it look big. We don't contrive anything here. We don't try and make Jesus out to be better than he is or more important or more magnificent than he is. We, we do it like a telescope. We take the Lord, who is like a, a constellation, like a universe of glory, and we fix a telescope on it so that we can sort of, in effect, bring it near, bring it among us. That's what we do in worship. That's what God did at Christmas. He brought himself near to us. And that's what Mary wants to do here. She wants to take something enormous like all of salvation history from eternity past to eternity future, and she wants to put it in a song of praise. Telescope, not microscope. So again, verse 46 to 47, what does she say? My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. That's the spirit of Christmas. That's the essence of Christmas. I want you to see something about what she says about location. What are some, tell me some locations that get you rejoicing. When you're in a certain place, it makes you rejoice. Someone who's not got Smith as their last name. Anyone need to narrow this down? Phil. Gold Coast. Good answer. Suzanne. Mountaintop. Mountaintop. Alani. The beach. Yeah. Bingy. Queensland. Queensland, yeah, I'm hearing a lot of... We lost half our state to Queensland earlier this year. I think we need to put a cap on this. These are places that we go, and Queensland is actually a good example. Holiday destinations are a good example. I'm not... I like the beach, but I'd rather be in, like the, the, in an alpine region. I'd, I, I like, I'd like to be walking through some kind of valley in the, in the high country of Victoria or, or, or paddling across an alpine lake. You know, like flat, clear water. These are locations that bring us joy, but they're also fleeting experiences, right? They're temporary. Not many of us get to live on the Gold Coast. And if we did, that might start to wear off the uh, experience of joy that we get from being there. These things, the point is, right, wherever we find ourselves in places that bring us joy, they tend to be temporary. A couple of weeks of holiday a fleeting experience on a mountaintop, eventually you've got to come down again. Mary finds lasting joy because her joy is in God, her Savior. If you want lasting joy, you need to find a location that isn't temporary. You need to find a location that's eternal, a location that lasts, a location that you can be in whether you're at work or school or on holiday. And so that's what she finds. My spirit rejoices and will continue to rejoice because it's in God that it's found. In God, my Savior, she says. So let's look at that next verse. This is our memory verse, so we don't even have to put it up on the screen. You guys, in fact, all of us now know it off by heart. But let me just remind you, it says... His mercy, God's mercy, is from generation to generation on those who fear him. Luke 1.50. So kids, all, all the kids, look right at me for a second. God's mercy, you know, his goodness, his faithfulness, his forgiveness, his kindness, his love, is for you. It's for you. It's for, every, yes, each one of you. Because it's from generation to generation. It's not just for the older people here who know Jesus and have loved him all of their life and for, you know, for years and years. It's for generation to generation. It's not just for Moses and Noah and Abraham. It's not just for Jesus' disciples or even for Mary herself. It's for generation to generation. His mercy is big enough Voluminous to the extent that he can pour it out on all generations, from generation to generation. Now, listen, his mercy is for you, kids. His mercy is for you, but it's not for you because of your parents. God is not merciful to you because he's merciful to your parents. God is merciful to you because you are precious to him. Whether your parents know him or not, his mercy is for you because you are precious to him. You are not a Christian because your parents are Christians. Yes, I'm sure. Okay, how about this? In the same way that you are not a car because you're standing in the garage. Standing in the garage doesn't make you a car, right? And being in a Christian family doesn't make you a Christian, but it is a wonderful blessing from God to be in a Christian family. It's a wonderful blessing from God, and he uses your parents and your grandparents and your church family to bring you to faith and to keep you in faith, but you need to receive his mercy for yourself. Christmas is a great time to receive God's mercy. It's when he showed his great mercy in giving us his son in the first place. So it says his mercy is from generation to generation on those who what? Fear him. On those who fear him. So we need to know if we're going to receive his mercy, if we want his mercy to be on us, we need to know how do we fear him. His mercy is going to be on those who fear him. So what does it look like for us to fear him? Well, it's not fear like Judah should fear me disciplining him after this service for making it hard for me. It's not fear like that. Can you just go and sit down for me? It's not fear like I have a fear of, um, yeah, particular spiders, little black spiders. It's not fear like that kind of fear. The fear that we need to have of God, the fear that people have who receive his mercy is very different. So check this out. We can find out, we can decode this by going to somewhere in the Old Testament that Mary knew really well. Uh, to the book of Deuteronomy, it describes what it looks like. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 10, God says, Now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you except to fear the Lord your God? How? By walking in all his ways to love him and to worship the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. That's what it means to fear him. You got that, church? Have you come across the fear of the Lord, you know, there's a lot about, in the Bible about the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the pathway to blessing. Well, the fear of the Lord means to walk in all his ways. That means just however you walk through each day, from the time you get out of bed to the time you get into bed, however you walk through the day, you want to be walking in God's ways. That means you need to know him well. You need to know what he's like. You need to know what he's done. You need to know him revealed in his word. You need to be like Mary who knew what it was to walk in God's ways, to love him, to worship the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. Worship is not just something that we do here on Sunday morning. This is all of life, all about Jesus. Well, that's why I was very specific, Judah, about when, But from the time you get up to the time you go to bed. What happens when you sleep is a little bit out of your control, but you can be praying that God would give you dreams and visions about who he is and what he's done so that even in your sleep you're in tune with God and what he's like. So, walking in his ways, loving him, worshipping him, all of your heart all of your soul. Let me just summarize it. I've got it real clear for you. Ready? His mercy is from generation to generation on those who follow him, love him, and worship him with all their heart and all their soul. So here's here's the, um, here's the actions. If we were going to do this as a song, it would be walking, it would be hugging, and it would be bowing. Right? Following, loving, and worshiping. Walking, hugging, bowing. Following, loving, worshiping. Walking, hugging, bowing. This is what it's like to live as someone who fears God and therefore this is what it's like to be blessed by God with his mercy and his grace. Parents, this is what you need to be praying for your kids. If you want them to experience God's generational mercy, you need to be praying that they will follow him, love him and worship him with all their heart and all their soul. You want to be praying that they walk and hug and bow. This is what it is to be blessed by him. This is how Mary lived her life this was the one who was favoured by God. And we know we know that Mary went through ups and downs. We know that Mary experienced doubt. There was a point in Jesus' life where Mary thought that her own son had gone crazy. That he was out of his mind, the Bible says. So she was not perfect. She's not worthy of our worship. But she is worthy of our emulation. She gets it. She knows her Bible well enough to identify what's going on, her place in salvation history, and then her song is just full of Old Testament references because, again, she knew her Bible well and she knew what God was like. So let's finish it off. Ready? Last couple of verses and then I'll get out of your way. Verse 51... To 53, she says of God, he has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Does this sound familiar to you? Yes. This sounds a lot like the teaching of her son. 30 years later. We just talked through this most of the year, right? Sermon. This is very Sermon of the mountish. It's the upside down kingdom of God. It's the lowly being exalted. The poor being blessed. She knows this is what God is like. This itself, her song, has a huge amount of allusions to the Old Testament. Again, God taking a lowly, unfashionable, unlovely people and exalting them, electing them, saving them, delivering them. She knows it from the Bible. She knows it from her own experience. This is happening to her right now. Remember who Mary is? She's not the gal in the statues, having prayers said to her, right? She's the teenager in the no-name town. She's the humble virgin girl. This is what's happening to her. She, in God choosing her for this incredible act, he is exalting the lowly. He is preferencing the unlovable, the unlikely. Here's what I know in just chatting with kids these days. And that's right, I just said kids these days. Wow. Kids these days. days. And it's not even their fault. Here's what I know about them. It's not their fault. Kids these days, like an enormous percentage of kids these days really, like deep down, want to be famous. Really want to be famous. Like it's it's like a legitimate, like it's not it's no longer fireman, policeman, astronaut, nurse, it's influencer, it's youtuber, it's fame, fortune, bright lights. And the tragedy is, first of all, that some very ordinary people can be famous, and that's a tragedy, but mostly the tragedy is that almost no one will be famous and so our children put their hopes and dreams in something that can never deliver. Something far better to aspire to is being a forgotten person, an ignored person, a marginalised person that God uses for his fame. For his glory. That's Mary. Marginalized, forgotten, cast aside, dumpy town, virgin teenage girl, and this is happening to her. God is using her to achieve the greatest event in human history. The birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Kids, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start praying, not that you would be famous, but that God would use you to do amazing, earth-shattering, world-changing things for his glory, for his glory. Because you're just the kind of people that he loves to use. You know, sometimes we get sucked into thinking, oh, man, if only this famous person would become a Christian, if only this pop star, this sports, this athlete, whatever, this famous person would become a Christian, then oh, it would have such a huge effect on the world. It almost never does, you know. And the people that God, God tends to use much more powerfully... Are the unlikely people, the unnoticed people. So kids, I want you to pray. Hey, why don't we just do it now? Let's pray together now. Let's all bow our heads now, and I'm going to pray over you, because you know for most of us adults, our time is just about up. There's not much more for us to do but you guys have a whole lot of time ahead of you, and God, I believe, wants to do incredible things through you, so I'm gonna pray that he does. Father, loving Father, we love you, and we thank you for your mercy towards us in Jesus. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you for the gift of your son, and I pray now for these sons and daughters of yours that they would know you and love you all of their days. I pray, Lord, that they would walk in your ways, that they would love you and worship you with all of their heart and all of their soul. And I pray that you would do earth-shattering things through them, just as you did through Mary, That you would take your power, limitless power, and put it to work through them, in them, for the sake of your glory, and for the sake of the world. Please do it, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen.